Hi friends, it's Vanessa Liu, your host of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, an authentic space to talk about life as a perfectionist in truth and love. For those of you brand new here today, perfectionism has destructive habits that play a negative role in our lives. Perfectionism can hold us back and force us to live from a place of fear instead of love. The striving for perfection is a lie that keeps us in a not enough zone, because when you strive for a goal that doesn't exist, you will always find yourself in the lack. Thank you for joining me here on the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. I'm really excited to share these series of mini-series with you. And the first one is The Prodigal Son. And so I thought it would be fitting before we get started and talk with my guest, Jennifer Hayes, that I would read The Prodigal Son for you, just to give you some good context in case you've never read it or maybe it's been a long while. So here we go. The Prodigal Son, Luke 15, 11 to 32. And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was given anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. 
and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, and was lost and has been found. Hi friends, I'm so glad that you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support this podcast and its message, any contribution would be greatly appreciated. I've decided that if we can get up to $300 in the first 60 days, I'll send a special gift to all those who have contributed. To donate $0.99, $4.99, or $9.99 a month to this podcast, simply click the Anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says Support. Select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact in the lives of my family. I am so thrilled to bring you this episode today. My prayer is that you are blessed and encouraged as much as I have been. Let's dive in. It is so great to have you here. I'm so excited to talk about the prodigal son um, in a lot of depth. And um, when I had you on here earlier, I remember you mentioning it and I was intrigued, you know, way back then. And so I'm just really excited to um, get into this conversation today. Me too. Thanks so much for having me back, Vanessa. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. This is a, a topic of passion for me and uh, some, some hard-won lessons here, so I'm really excited to get into it. Yes, so today we're going to talk about the prodigal son, the one mm-hmm. who, you know, took everything and left and spent yes. it all and then discovered, oh goodness, I don't have anything now and I'm eating from pig troughs. I think yes. I have to go back home. <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing that um, really surprised me about the prodigal son when I, I started studying this parable more in depth for myself about three years ago is that the word prodigal actually means extravagant. And often when we talk about the prodigal son, or we're learning about it or we're hearing it taught. Um, we think of prodigal in terms of, of lost and in terms of uh, rebellion. And, and those, that's certainly true. But when, when we look at this um, parable 
as um, kind of three parts or three examples of a, a bigger umbrella theme and understand that the word prodigal means extravagant. It's really a story about um, extravagance in terms of how we spend grace and um, where we get grace from. So the, the prodigal son, this is the, this is the guy that I've always had the hardest time having grace for. It's the people who grew up like me, um, the people who grew up in loving families with the truth, churchgoers, who kind of throw it all to the wind or don't appreciate the a wonderful life of grace that they've had. So I've always been able to have tons of grace for people who had a different upbringing or a different background or who didn't know the truth or who were um, genuinely lost spiritually. But the people that I felt should know better and didn't, those are the ones that, was, that were really tough for me to have, have grace for. So it was interesting to me about um, the youngest son is that he was really extravagant with himself. So he took his father's grace and his father's provision uh, for granted. And he had a sense of entitlement to it. Like what's yours is rightfully mine mm -hmm. and I should be able to spend it however I want, have it whenever I want and spend it however I want. And so when the youngest son um, took off from home, with an early inheritance, it was such a disrespect towards his father. And it was such a, um, a taking for granted and a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not appreciating what he had. It was really a, a betrayal of his family, but he didn't see it that way because he was focused on what he felt he had the right to. Right, right. So um, he was extravagant with himself and he was extravagant with his father's grace and provision. So if we're familiar with this story, we know that he runs out. And that is the way when we're extravagant with ourselves, we'll run out of ourselves. And um, I thought it was interesting that um, his, his first reaction to this situation of finding himself out of money and out of resources was to cling to the closest or the first available person that he could for um, provision. And this person um, lets him feed the pigs and only provides what the pigs are provided. So he slept with the pigs, he ate with the pigs, and only his most basic needs for survival are met and not even sufficiently because in verse 15, it said he was still hungry. So what happens is that the world is uh, sustaining him barely with the bare minimum. Um, but the judge, like what's provided for him there is based on what they feel that, that he deserves. Mm -hmm. which is bare minimum, right? You've right. made your bed, now you have to lie in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and at, the very, at the very basic level, he's surviving, but there's no, there's no abundance there. It's just very basic, and he's still left wanting at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. 
So this is when he has this epiphany that even the servants in the lowest positions in his father's house live in far more abundance than this. Mm-hmm. Not only are their needs met, but their needs are surpassed. And within his emptiness, there's stirred a longing for this kind of fulfillment. So when he returned home, he came back not expecting the level of provision that the lowest servants received. Mm -hmm. He was not expecting his needs to be surpassed, but he came home begging for the bare minimum and was very aware that he didn't even deserve that. So I thought that was interesting that he, um, he was looking out from where he had grown up and seeing greener pastures and thinking that there was so much more that life had to offer him than what he had known, had known at home. And so he stocked up on, on riches that he had not earned or gotten for himself right that he felt entitled to and went to get even more for himself out there mm-hmm. that's not how it ended up and you know i like that you at the beginning talked about how in your life these are the people that that you have the hardest time giving grace to and I was nodding my head because I thought it's so true. Like I was, I was feeling, I was like picturing it, like actually seeing people where it's like, when you know that they know better, like they should know. And then they don't, it's like the most frustrating thing. And yet that's not the attitude we're supposed to have. So, so we're, we're admitting that. And, and in so doing, it's like, it's the same thing about, you know, don't judge because you're going to be judged. And, and it's just cool how it, all of that lines up together. Um, and uh, also with him coming back home, how you were saying he wasn't expecting um, to get everything back that he had had. He was just expecting to get like the lowest thing that the, you know, mm-hmm. To me, when you said that, I was thinking of the change in his heart. So he wasn't the same person anymore that was taking everything for granted. He wasn't, um, you know, expecting, okay, well, I'm just going to go back home and, you know, this didn't work out for me. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to let my dad take care of me. It was a different attitude, but I think when we read that he comes back home, we think he has the same attitude. Yeah, right? but he doesn't. Yeah. yeah, and I and not until um, you know you you worded it in the way that you did did I did it even click with me that like oh, you know what he he's had a change of heart. Yeah. He's he has been humbled. He's yeah. coming back humbly, um, and that is an important change for all of us, not just this type of person. Um, and so we can, like, I can, I will say myself, I can relate to him. Uh, whereas before I never could relate to him. I, you know, I would relate to the brother because I didn't understand. I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. He didn't even try. Like, like (laughs) he messed up. He didn't work. 
yeah. and like, now he's being rewarded. That ain't cool. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 but just, just spending a little more time on, on this character, um, in this way and digging in a little deeper, it, it allows me to see myself in him, even though I've always, yuck, I don't like that guy, you know? Um, and I'm sure as we go through the rest of these characters um, a little bit later, that we'll, we'll probably see that we connect to all of them at different times and different stages and different experiences. But um, yeah, so. Anyway. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting that you say that about, you know, like not you're thinking to yourself, how can you know the right thing to do and not do it? <laughs> like, you know, for us type A personalities, it's kind of hard to get your mind around that. But when we're talking about these two sons, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to get into the, the nitty gritty of the older boy, because that's where I've lived most of my life. Oh yeah, me but too. Really, but really, we're just talking about um, two boys who both had deficits on either side of the same coin. And the younger son, his deficit was that he didn't recognize the value of his position in the family. And he didn't realize the value of um, his relationship with his father and what his home life actually had to offer him. And so, um, you know, for for lots of us that have grown up in, in church-going homes or in, in Christian homes, that's a real easy trap to fall into and not even realize, is to take for granted the life of grace that, that we've had and to take for granted growing up in a home where uh, we've had godly parents and been taught the truth or been taken to, to church. And it's it's really easy to miss the value of that. Um, and it's really easy um, to look around us at other people with different upbringings or different life experiences or different testimonies. And I remember um, being a teenager and being caught in this tension between um, always wanting to do the right thing and get it right perfectly mm -hmm. to earn approval and love and also feeling resentful of all the people around me that looked like they were having more fun because they weren't concerned about doing the right thing mm -hmm. or being you know perfect or being good and so I was constantly caught in this tension of feeling like I had a boring testimony I was super vanilla right <laughs> um and wishing that I had a more exciting testimony or that at least I hadn't known any better for the first you know, a few couple of decades of my life so that I could have some fun in the world and then get saved, right? Right? Like, like I'm missing out, but then I don't like, but I know it's not right. And that, and so I don't want to, I don't want to make those choices and then have to repent of those things. But yeah, my life isn't fun and my testimony isn't exciting. Mm -hmm. And so it was this constant um, tension for me internally about wanting to do the right thing and be a good girl and also resenting it at the same time. Well, I, I have so much to say on this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like so much. Um, I will say that I still have a version of that that creeps up 
today. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, I don't have it every day, but it, I think it comes in in tired uh, seasons, like where I'm just weary, I'm just worn out. Um, it's really easy to get frustrated that nobody's listening, you know, and <laughs> um, like, why aren't they reading their Bible? Why aren't they praying? What, you know, it would be so much better if they would. And, and I say that because of, you know, the world that I am looking at around me, like, oh man, if these people would seek Jesus, look at the world we could live in, you know, like, like imagine that, you know? And so, and, and I'm just being completely blatantly honest. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that those, I have those experiences. And then where I'm, I'm mad because I'm working so hard, like you say, to not have to need to, you know, ask for forgiveness because I did the wrong, you know, I messed up and did the wrong thing. Um, and I've realized very, um, recently because a new, a new issue that I've been dealing with since I've, you know, discovered that I was a perfectionist and, and I don't want to be a perfectionist. And, you know, all that is that I, um, now am so, I, I realize I'm so afraid to even make a move on any of the things I have going not every day but there there's times where and it's that it's that perfectionism paralysis Mm -hmm. and I'm like why are you so afraid just pick one Mm -hmm. you know just pick one to work on and get over it. Like what? And then, so, but I dig deep, right? Cause I'm like, well, why, why, why am I, why am I being, why do I, I, cause I recognize it's fear. I'm recognizing you're afraid. That's what it is. I'm like, why, why am I afraid? It's because I'm trying to avoid being punished. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid the spanking, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, no, if I can just do it right, then I won't have to learn another lesson. I can just continue on my way. And so again, being very candid, very real with you, like that's something that's newer. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have that my whole life. And I have, Oh, I don't know what I should do. No, I, I didn't have that. But now I'll have these. And that's, that's actually, I was talking to you earlier. That's what Friday was. And I actually kind of forgot about it when I was talking to you about it, but that's what it was. I, my day kind of got canceled. Mm-hmm. Some things got taken off my schedule. And then I was like, uh Oh, Oh no. Now what do I do? Oh my goodness. And I was like, well, I could read. I could just enjoy the day and, and take time to read. And I'm like, but what if that's wrong? What if, what if I should be working on my book? Like if I say I'm writing a book, shouldn't, shouldn't I take every moment I can to work on it? And it's like, well, but I also need to clean my house. Like <laughs> and I still haven't cleaned my bathroom, you know? And I mean, I'm being, these are the real things that were in my mind. Yes. Maybe it's like, well, and maybe, maybe I should do a fun activity with my kids. Like they're already done with school early today. Oh my goodness. And instead of picking one, I mean, I eventually did, but instead of picking one, I sat in my car, not on, just sat in my car 
in my driveway, rubbing my head. Try, okay, God, tell, just tell me which one to do. Just tell me which one to do and I'll do it. I don't care. Any of them are fine. And just I, give me one. Just give me a job. <laughs> he wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't tell me. And I knew, I was like, okay, I know you're not telling me because you're trying to help me learn that, that it doesn't thing. matter. Yes. Any of them are fine. Yes. And none of them are wrong. Some are fine. <laughs> Everything that I have going on in my life right now, I know God has brought me to. Mm -hmm. So none of them are wrong. Even reading the book wouldn't have been wrong. No, exactly. But I was, but I was too afraid. You see, I was too afraid. But that it was the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's that, right? So, you know, and you were talking about when you were a kid and then the testimony thing. Yeah. My whole life, I had that same thing like, well, I don't have a cool testimony. I've been saved since I was five years old. Boring. <laughs> and I follow all the rules. And, you know, I don't really see how it's working in my favor yet, but whatever, because everybody's doing this and that. And I'm just sitting over here not breaking rules, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but this is the cool part. This is the cool part. It's, this is another very recent thing is that God has shown me that I do have a testimony mm -hmm. now different than what it, I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, and it's so good because mine is, yeah. I, I did accept Jesus into my heart when I was five. I remember it. I, I was in Sunday school. I remember the table. I remember the little the little book, you know, with the colors, the red and the green and the black and the white. I remember it. Here's, here's the thing. I didn't have a very deep relationship with Jesus. I had religion, mm. but I didn't know the difference because no one was telling me the difference. Um, it was, you know, you go to church and, and you're involved and then you go to youth group and and you're, you know, you're involved there and everything like that. So here's the cool part. While I was sitting over here, just trying to abide by the rules best I could, God was sustaining me. He was not letting me go, even though I wasn't really nourishing myself in the truth, in my relationship with him. But he didn't let me go off to the wayside, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like he, he knew that I wouldn't be able to last with the rules. He knew the rules wouldn't sustain that need that you were talking about from the prodigal. Like, like that, oh, I need this. Like I need something more. He knew. And I know he knew now. And so now I, I realize my testimony, yes, it starts back at five, but it was seven years ago when, and I've shared this story many times, when I came to the end of my rope, there was nothing bad going on in my life. I wasn't caught up in drugs. I wasn't, you know, in a bad relationship or anything like that. Nothing dramatic like that, but I was caught up in people pleasing Mm -hmm. as my way of life and realizing it doesn't work. 
Yeah. And so you still came to your own, your own place of desolation. Mm -hmm. So just like, just like the prodigal son ran out of his own resources and was unable to provide for himself, even us good girls will come to the end yes. of our resources and our own efforts and what we can provide for ourselves. And what I realized about the prodigal son is that he, he had um, one foot in, in both worlds. And so he wasn't able to fully enjoy either one. Mm -hmm. And so um, like when he was home, he's longing for the life that he sees others having a way over there that looks so much more exciting than the life he has. But then when he chases after that and realizes that it's empty and it doesn't it ha it has nothing to offer him that can satisfy him for the long haul yes. and now he's longing for home and he's lost both. He's lost the enjoyment of both and is now coming home thinking, well, that's, that's it. It's all over for me. There's no coming back from this really. Like maybe my father will just let me be a servant. And of course, when we read to the end, we know that that's, that's not how it goes when he gets home, but we do that to ourselves too even those of us that would sooner identify with the, the older son, mm -hmm. we do, we do come to the end of ourselves and mm -hmm. find, find ourselves in this desolate land of nothingness and end of resources, end of ourselves. And so I had a similar, um, I, I have a similar testimony to you. I got saved when I was four grew up in a, a Jesus loving home, um, going to a wonderful church with a wonderful church family and um, didn't realize until I was in my thirties and having this like inner crisis, this inner good girl disillusionment. I was in my middle thirties too. <laughs> right. So I thought the thirties um, and realizing just how, uh, empty a desert it was in there of all my my try hard yes. uh, good girl striving yes. um, to produce the life of abundance that I knew I was supposed to be having um, that Jesus won for me on the cross and yet um, I didn't have it and didn't know how to get it for myself mm -hmm. and that, that was the kicker right there I didn't know I couldn't get it for myself mm -hmm. and it took me most of my life to figure that out just like uh, just like the prodigal son yeah. um, could not get that for himself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one thing that I have realized too, is that um, especially for those of us who feel like our testimonies are boring or vanilla, or that we don't have anything um, exciting to share about God's work in our lives. I, I want to say make a list of all the things that Jesus has saved us from because we were saved at a young age. That's, that is exactly, oh my gosh, that's so exciting because that is exactly what I was trying to get to was that look at all the things that God yes. saved me from. I yes. didn't have, I mean, I don't want to be all graphic here, but I didn't have yeah. all these traumas that people and go many, through. many consequences that, that even though grace is sufficient and your father waits for you at the window with 
the door open and arms wide. But there are still there are still consequences that can change the whole uh, course of our lives um, based on some of those those decisions. That for those of us that um, that didn't make those decisions, regardless of the reasons, there are things that we have been spared. Yes, I know. So, there are mess. I mean, there's such a profound and deep message of hope and of grace, regardless of which son you identify more with. Um, and so, you know, there are those, there are times that I look back in my life and think, you know, I made some of those decisions for the entirely wrong reasons. I mean, let's just, you know, be honest about that. The entirely wrong reasons. Um, but yet at the end of the day, there are still heartaches that I was protected from as a result. Yep. I, and I, I see it was like, I mean, I think the first time I was thinking about it, I was sitting in, in the church pew and it was just like the Holy Spirit kind of, I took it as a gift. It was like, he, he made me think of all the things that could have happened to me um, if I hadn't been saved already, like I was protected. Mm -hmm. I know I was protected. I can, I can see it now. Cause there were times when I would put myself in very risky situations, you know, but, but I was, I was God's child already from a young age. And I really think he spared me from mm -hmm. so many things that I was foolish about. And I'm so grateful and, and I like being able to see that now because before I was always just like, so boring, what a boring testimony. But no, when you think about all the things that could have happened to you, even though you were following the rules, um, it's, it's overwhelming, you know, um, just things that people go through. So Jennifer, to wrap up this episode, what do you want the listeners to remember about this prodigal son? So if we're looking at this um, parable as uh, a case study of extravagance, um, there are three ways that we can be extravagant. And from the, the youngest son, we see an example of what happens when we're extravagant with our, ourselves. And so I think for me, the biggest uh, takeaway or, or um, lesson that I would learn from him is that when we're extravagant with ourselves, we'll always come up empty. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Because it, it points to the truth that we need God. We need him to be our source. Yes. If we don't have him as our source, we will always come up empty. Yeah. Extravagance with ourselves uh, will always take us to a wasteland. Mm, I like that. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to um, talk about the next two characters in this parable. And so, yeah, I'll be talking with you soon. Can't wait. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care. Welcome, my friend, to the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. 
an authentic space to talk about life in truth and love. It's true, not everyone is an Enneagram One perfectionist, but it is my firm belief that our world today suffers from a lot of the destructive and deceptive lies that perfectionism has to offer. That is why this podcast will encourage, empower, and uplift you.